You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. A grab bag of Suns topics today on Zona Monday here on Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter and on Instagram at LockedOnPHXSuns, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Because it is a Monday, I'm joined by Brandon. You know him as Zona on Twitter. He is at AZ Sports Zone, and I have a question for you to start things off, Brandon. Will the Suns ever make less than half of their threes in a game again? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's here to stay. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's just stay. the new norm, and we're just living in this, this new world now, and we just got to accept it. They're just going to be but the best three-point shooting team in history from here on out. Yeah, it's contingent on uh, Frank Kaminsky starting, though, apparently. Yeah, exactly. We have to, yeah. Frank Kaminsky will start for the rest of the season, and the Suns will never miss a three again. Um, no, but it's been, it's been a very high-scoring weekend, certainly uh, the biggest offensive explosion we've seen from the Suns. So we're going to get into the wins over Memphis and New Orleans. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the G League bubble and how Tyshawn Alexander and Jalen Smith, the Suns' two rookies, are performing there. That'll close our show. And then in the middle, we'll hit on our predictions for the all-star team um if Devin Booker and Chris Paul will be part of the final reserve selections this week it uh it it will be announced I believe on Tuesday so we will see uh if we're right but let's start with these games Brandon it's 128 to 97 on um against Memphis and then 132 to 114 against the Pelicans I mix those up in in the order but both massive victories, uh, a little bit different. We saw against the Pelicans, the Suns sort of came alive in that fourth quarter. They were down 12 going in and then outscored them by 29. Pelicans put up just 12 points in the fourth quarter. And then against Memphis, uh, just not much of a contest, all things considered. They outscored them by 13 in the first quarter. They were up 30 at halftime. It wasn't much of a game, really, which is honestly a great thing to see after they beat them on MLK Day. So what were your sort of thoughts on, on this doubleheader? Uh, definitely encouraging. Obviously, it's uh, these are two teams in the West that they're kind of in that mid-tier where you just want to create as much separation as you can because you don't know what's going to happen later on in the season. So um, definitely good to get these out of the way. And, you know, the Pelicans game, I mean, that fourth quarter was crazy. Like, that, I mean, the point differential, like, I haven't seen anything like that. So that was that was a lot of fun to watch and just seeing, you know, Chris Paul just take over. Um, and, you know, he's just, this is like, like what I said last episode, this is kind of what Suns fans expected early on and now it's coming to fruition. So it's just, it's great to see, um, you know, and just especially in this last game against Memphis on the second of a back-to-back, you only play Paul and eight in 22 minutes. Um, Booker only had to go 26. So, you know that's always a good thing to have in the in the middle of the season. So, just very encouraging back to back, little little home 
home or road sweep. It's uh, a good point you make on the minutes, and it's part of why I feel like it might not look as impressive that second game statistically, just because none of the guys were in there long enough to pile up stats in the same mm-hmm. way. But Chris Paul, like, is really, I feel like at, at his, I mean, I don't even want to say peak because we've definitely seen him do even more in the past, especially as a scorer and all that defensively. I'm sure we'll we'll see more games like that come playoff time. But as far as what we've seen this season, I feel like he's really at his best right now. I mean, he had 19 assists, um, obviously a season high, too short of a career high, which I was impressed by. He had 21 in 2007. And then 16 and 6 against Memphis, not as impressive, but only one turnover. And he shot six of nine from the field. So with those, if he had played 32, 33 minutes, like we might have seen an equally impressive double double again. So I, I guess I'm just wondering what your impressions are. It feels like it's the first time we've really seen uh, a couple games back to back like this with Paul and Booker both in the lineup where both guys are kind of doing their thing. Yeah, and I remember early in the season when we were kind of talking about his three point percent, saying it's, it's not going to stay at, I think it was like 29 or whatever it was. It was like, high 20s yeah. he's got it up to 39 percent now and he's just been on a, like a, a tear of late just shooting it just feels like everything's going to go in and you could just see that like with the way he's like shooting like releasing the ball even he he's just that confident he's like yep i got this he knows they're going in yeah yeah and i also think it's hilarious when they don't go in how upset he gets uh just taking it out on either his opponent or his teammates just like he's the most competitive dude so it's it's something that I think Suns fans have wanted in a player in a, for, like, for a long time. Like, this dude just, he needs to win. Like, it's it's just, like, in his DNA. So you can just see him just, like, willing this team to win. So I think that's that's kind of carried over, and it's been infectious, like, to the rest of the team, too. Like, you know, they, they want to um, take care of the ball. They want to make the little plays and, you know, keep stacking these wins because they know, they realize after the bubble last year how important every game is. So, you know, I think you're just kind of seeing that hunger just um, spreading. Yeah, Paul was 7 of 10 from deep over the weekend, and uh, Booker himself was 7 of 12. So they're, or uh, yeah, 7 of 12. So they're both making those shots as part of just an overall team barrage, like I mentioned at the top. But yeah, what you said about Paul is what Booker kind of alluded to as well, just especially in that fourth quarter against New Orleans. That 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 final score is going to be a little bit deceiving, I think, you know, for people who didn't watch the game or maybe if we forget about the the intricacies of, of how the game went and we're looking back on it in the future uh, because they did not look like they were going to win at all. And uh, Booker basically said, like, kind of exactly what you just said, which is that Paul just the look in his eyes the the kind of steadfastness that he displayed for them in in huddles and just on the floor it was like you know we're not we're not this isn't out of reach I think we can win this one and obviously then him putting on the display he did on both ends of the floor getting steals you know getting guys open scoring himself it was just kind of like you're saying that he he willed them in a way that basically aside from Devin Booker no one else really has been able to do during Booker's entire tenure here so it has been has been quite a long time and we also just haven't I mean there's been guys who have played hard we just haven't seen a player who has the ability to actually dictate outcomes of games in that way like there's one thing to want it there's another thing to actually be able to 
to go out there and do it. Um, but just to circle back on the three-point percentage thing, do you feel like what we're seeing is like you know anything different that would make you feel like this team will be better shooting the ball? Are, are we seeing different stuff out of them that's getting guys open? Because to me, it just seems like you know a hot spell that's fun to watch, but not necessarily like indicative of anything bigger. And and I feel like the bigger important stuff here is you know, the defense, the ball movement, Paul and Booker's relationship, just the same stuff it's always been. Like, you're going to have hot stretches like this from deep. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't expect them to continue to shoot 50% on, you know, franchise <laughs> record-breaking numbers, but I, I think this is just kind of, a, like you said, just a hot stretch. And it's also, can it can be attributed to the chemistry getting a little bit better, I think, with the guys getting healthy and starting to get some more reps, reps in together and, uh, yeah, I think so. Obviously, they're going to have some some off nights shooting, and I think those nights are going to be the ones that kind of tell us more about like how much better this this offense has gotten. Um, so, you know, there's there's definitely going to be some nights where it's it's not going to fall, and they're going to have to find different ways to score. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most uh, with everyone healthy now, just seeing how they can win games in other ways and not be that reliant on the three. I still think they need to do like a much better job of getting to the line. Is they're one of the best free throw shooting teams in the league, but it doesn't mean anything if you're never there. So that's that's the next phase in this team's development that I think uh, needs to increase. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think part of it is, you know, you you also have some streaky shooters. I would say, especially Jay Crowder and Frank Kaminsky, who mm-hmm. aren't elite shooters, but over the weekend, basically shot the lights out at least uh, well Crowder had the one game where he made six but Kaminsky was uh, seven of 11 over both of these games too so uh, there's going to be nights but I agree I mean it's it's just another sort of arrow in their quiver as an offense and I think it probably helps them to know that you know like Paul developing trust with different shooters that he knows you know if he gets it to them that they can make those shots and a lot of that is the chemistry stuff like like you mentioned um, but we'll see. We'll see how the offense can kind of develop out. Because I think the other thing is there will be a, a little bit of a bounce from opposing teams, I would think, where, you know, if they're reading a scouting report or watching clips from the past few games of, of this Suns team, they're going to they're gonna have a little bit more hesitancy to leave the shooters, I feel like. It might not be the whole season that, that teams overreact, but you know, you, you start to have some nights like this, and, and I think defenses do think twice a little bit, and then you kind of use that to your advantage and punish them in different ways and so yeah we'll have to kind of watch how how it happens they're facing a a defense that's not elite in portland by any means and and very depleted lineup but you know a veteran experienced team that knows how to play defense so it'll be a different sort of matchup than some of these younger squads they faced on friday and saturday so we'll see uh how that how they fare it's another home game which is nice as well but we'll get into the all-star selections which I believe have already been made, so not maybe these games won't actually color what happens in the final results, but uh, I think there's still a strong case to be made for both guys. We'll get into that right after this break. But first, I wanted to tell you about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over. Super Bowl is done, but college basketball march madness not too far around the corner obviously nba games every day nhl games every day spring training starting up 
and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. If you're a big movie buff, maybe the Oscars are your thing. You, you have an idea who's winning Best Picture this year, whatever it is. There's a ton of stuff, real-time, updated odds and props on basically anything that you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has you covered. Best of all, free to sign up. So head to the website, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to download their app. Sign up today. Use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus. Again, download the app or head to betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit and get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Brandon, so I had Sam Cooper on on Friday. We had some bigger picture all-star debates, but we didn't really get to in the weeds of who we would pick just because uh, it, would, it, it was going to be out by the time the, line, the starting lineups were going to be out by the time that the, webs, that the episode went up. So what I'm curious about is, firstly, were you surprised? The big kind of surprise, I think, was, was Luca making it as a starter over Dame. Even Luca said he was surprised by that. Did that surprise you? And how do you see the rest of the guard uh, roster shaking out out west? Did it surprise me? I would say no, uh, just because I think the fan vote is so was so much in his favor. Even though Dame did make up some yeah. ground there, um, but I, I would have. I think Dame deserved to start because he's been unreal and he should be an MVP candidate this year. Um, but other than that, it's one of those where winning actually. I've, I don't usually feel like winning should play too big of a role, but when you've underperformed like as a team the way that the Mavs have, I do feel like that should matter when they're when you're splitting hairs like that. Yeah, especially when you factor in what Dame has done with like all those injuries that Portland's had. Like they have no business being, you know, the the fifth seed in the West right now. So I think in, in both directions there's kind of the context should favor Dame, I think. But um, you know, other than that I think the right starters were chosen for for both conferences, honestly, so nothing too shocking. But um, if you want to split hairs, yeah, the other one I think might have been some people may have had someone else in Bradley Beal's place. I know some had Jalen Brown as a starter there. I'm sure there's some uh, some highlight mavens who might have felt like Trey Young or somebody like that should be in there. I I disagree, but Beal, I think just being on a losing team, uh, people don't necessarily think of him as a lock. But the guy is scoring like you know it. He's 2004 Kobe Bryant or something right now so it's it's pretty remarkable I think he certainly had a great case the rest of the west was LeBron Steph Jokic and Kawhi Leonard I think those four guys were pretty clearly uh, picked by just about everyone I saw as the other starters so that leaves us with the reserves and I guess the locks that I think most people have had Brandon in the West are Paul George. I feel like Damian Lillard obviously being the other uh, guy who who was just on the cutting room floor of the starting lineup. I think Rudy Gobert for most people is seen as a starter, and then I think Anthony or as a as a lock, and I think Anthony Davis as well. So that leaves you know most people have had basically three slots that are sort of up for debate. I personally don't feel like Mike Conley has much of a case there. I don't feel like I've seen enough to get him in there. What I'm really curious about to you is how much of a lock do you see Donovan Mitchell as? And 
do you think that that prevents one of these Suns guys from getting in? Yeah, I think those four you touched on are, are my four as well. Um, and then I, I do think Mitchell's going to get in just because of the Jazz record. Like him and Gobert, to me, are locks pretty much. Um, I, don't, I don't think Conley like, should make it over either of the Suns guards, but there's been a lot of buzz there. And, like, don't get me wrong, he's, he's been really good. It's great to see him back, but a lot of his numbers are just kind of inflated by being on a team that's as good as they are. So, um, and they really didn't miss him when he was, like, I think he missed six or seven games and they didn't lose a game, you know, while he was out. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I think for the Suns, it's probably more likely than not that only one of the two makes it, and now it's just a question of who. And... I could totally see something like this happening where, you know, Chris Paul makes or gets the last spot and, you know, all of a sudden he has an injury, you know, air quotes, and he demands the league just to have Book in in there as a replacement. Like, that's something I could totally see happening. Um, But in a perfect world, those final three spots will go to, you know, Paul Booker and and Mitchell, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I... I agree DeRozan, on DeRozan. DeRozan is actually kind of right there, too, knocking on the door. He's had a sneaky good year. Well, the other thing to consider, like when you mentioned DeRozan or Conley even, is that the coaches are the ones picking this. I mean, I think they tend to be pretty in line with public perception, but I do feel like, yeah, like somebody like DeRozan, you know, I think coaches tend to want to champion players on winning teams, even if they're a little bit poo-pooed by the general uh, public like DeRozan is exactly the type of guy we could see shoehorned in here after you know no one really had him on their ballots and in terms of media but I don't feel like I mean I feel like Conley would be ahead of him and so if we don't think Conley would be in there then I kind of don't think DeRozan would be either I know Kevin O'Connor had had Shea in his picks Um, I don't really understand that one either I mean it like I said on on Friday's show with Sam it's like the idea that Devin Booker couldn't get in for years because his team wasn't good enough, and then he's going to be on a great team now and not make it because we want to put Shea Gilgis Alexander on the team, who's on a sub-500 squad. I know he's been very important to them, even overperforming the way that they have, but, like, come on. Uh, I thought that David Aldridge's picks were interesting because he managed to not have, uh, or to, to have both Booker and Paul, and it looks like the players that he left off. I'm, uh, he didn't have Anthony Davis in there, which makes sense. I, and, and I want to get to that in a second, but uh, that was sort of the way that he did it. He still had Lillard, Mitchell, George, Gobert, and Zion was his other front court player in, pl- in place of, of Davis. And then that allowed him to get Booker and Paul in here. So you said you could see Paul having a little bit of an injury thing and, and kind of making that up. He's probably going to have to go to Atlanta anyway as the union lead. But I think AD is is probably the most likely candidate because I think yeah, he's, it's just he's hard out, to right? like it's for hard to the, leave Anthony Davis off the team. He, he should be out for the game, so that they're going to need a replacement yeah. anyways. Yeah. Exactly, and so I, I think he'll probably get picked. He'll be injured. And then that could be the way that we see Booker or mm-hmm. Paul get in. But tell me who you think between Booker and Paul would be would be your pick. Like, which one of those guys, if you were picking, would you pick? I think Chris Paul's been better this year, so I'd have to give it to him, especially just 
considering the the state of the franchise, like this is their best team they've had in so long, and he's been at the forefront of it. So, if you had to pick one one of the two, I think you got to go with Paul. Um, I definitely think uh, I, I do think there's a good chance they both make it, but it's just gonna not come right away, which will probably infuriate Suns fans for a bit. But I I think the injury replacement's gonna get both of them in. Um, that's my prediction on the record. So. We'll just have to see. Yeah, I agree. A couple more things. I feel like, first of all, we should have a fan, a subsequent fan vote after the rosters are announced that can take one player who we want to see the least on an all-star court off <laughs> and replace them with the player who the fans pick. Like the MLB does, they have, uh, like, sometimes for the, the fill-in guys, they'll have fans vote. I think we should do that and it should be who gets to play instead of Rudy Gobert because I'm not really here for that. Yeah, no one wants to see Does that. Does anyone want to watch Rudy Gobert Absolutely in not. this game? There should just be like a little, like you said, just either a voting process or just give him like a little nomination, just like a little participation trophy or something. Just yeah. like have someone else step in. It can be like the Tim Duncan honorary trophy because nobody cared to watch Tim Duncan in these games either. So like you know he deserves it. I'm not challenging Rudy's importance to the Jazz, his greatness as a player. I think he's really awesome, but uh, it's just not the—it's not really the environment for him. I, I don't think we need you him in there. You don't want to see his uh, screen assists. No, I, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I think I'm going to probably be focused on the 30-foot three that Steph takes coming off of that screen, and not really focusing all that much on. Rudy Gobert, like really getting into his knees for that that screen. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I'm going to be paying too much attention to that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. The other the other part of this is, I wonder if anyone will drop out. I've been wondering about that. Like we saw, we heard a lot of talk about when it was first announced, like guys like LeBron and Kawhi sort of challenging it, Giannis as well. Do you think we actually see any guys that like just make a fuss about it and like? truly do not go to Atlanta for this thing? Uh, I could see it. Like, I don't think it's going to be, like, a popular thing where, like, you know, there's, like, a chunk of them just bailing, but I could definitely see, like, one or two guys in each conference just kind of, you know, either saying, like, they, they're not feeling great or they just want to rest up and use all-star break and just, you know, not showing up, which would open up some more spots. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I think it's going to just come down to it's one of those things where like the players themselves whenever they have to make decisions like that it could come down to the last second i feel like so um, a lot of these guys want to play in it but i think the just you know how responsible is it to have this game in the first place so that's going to cross some minds and you know just especially for the guys that play deep in the bubble um they're going to want this like time to just like relax so it'll be interesting I think it would probably be somebody like Kawhi might be my guess. Because yeah, I think LeBron, like, as pissed off as he might be about it, like, I think he is going to – he's a guy who tends to kind of do what's best for the league even if it's not popular among his, his fans and stuff. Like, even if we wish he might do more and take a stand more and stuff like that sometimes, I think he is a company man at the end of the day. Like, he might – say some things but he'll probably be there 
Uh, and, and just, you know, his friendship with Chris Paul, things like that. I don't think he wants to be the guy who sort of makes that point there. But I could like Kawhi with how much he rests. He's been doing it less this year, but we know he deals with injuries and he's definitely not the type to care uh, what the league wants to do. So it might, but like you look through the rest and it's like Paul George has been on this, like, you know, nobody believes in me spree all year. Gobert might not get too many of these, so he'll be wanting to be there. Dame constantly wants to sort of prove himself. And then the rest of the guys, it's like, if you even make it, you're going to go because it wasn't a sure thing you'd be in there. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to see, like, Mike Conley's sure as hell not going to sit at home. Donovan Mitchell, same thing. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, probably the same way. So uh, I don't know how many candidates there actually are. I feel like it might just be Kawhi. But uh, we'll close things out with some talk on the G League bubble. Brandon's watched a little bit. I've watched very little. Um, So we'll, we'll see what Brandon has thought about the the guys down there it's surprisingly uh i mean it was short but we're, we're almost kind of starting to wrap things up down there so um we'll see we'll see what we can glean from from the two rookies performances before that i wanted to tell you about the second sponsor of today's show which i told you about at the top built bar i just finished up my uh, cherry barcia built bar for breakfast this morning cup of coffee some uh some fruit yogurt it's perfect to get you the protein, the nutrients you need to start things off in your day, to get you after a workout. But if cherry's not your type, all all of the flavors are delicious. Mint brownie, peanut butter, even banana bread, which seems kind of maybe not like a typical protein bar, but it's delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, and perfect for just about any diet. If you're on keto or you are very low calorie or low carb, Built Bar is really just... Uh, just the protein for the most part. 19 grams of protein, for instance, in the peanut butter compared to just 180 calories, five grams of sugar. So very light, packed with protein, not too much to uh, get you gunked up with the rest of the stuff. So check things out. Check the new flavors like the Cherry Barcia as well as the originals like the banana bread and peanut butter out and Use the promo code Locked On. So go to BuiltBar.com, make that order. You can customize your box. You can get a full box of one kind, whatever you're interested in, and make sure you use that promo code Locked On at checkout. That's all one word, the name of our network, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, back here, closing out the show with some thoughts on the G League bubble. Wanted to make sure that you are checking out Locked On NBA as well. Josh Lloyd gets you ready every Monday. Go over to that feed right now if you have not already after you're done with our show. He brings on hosts from around the country, guys who are covering the biggest storylines on the biggest teams that week. So maybe some Portland talk this week. I'm just guessing. I do not know. But uh, Josh is great, does our Locked On Fantasy Basketball show, and then gets you ready every single Monday morning on Locked On NBA, so subscribe to that show today wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Brandon, I'll give you the floor. What has stood out? Let's start with Tyshawn Alexander since he has been down there for longer in the G League bubble. What uh, what have you observed from him? I know you've been on him and high on him for quite a long time, even before the Suns signed him. Yeah, so first I want to like preface all this with it's a tough situation for players on different like organizations to get thrust like on a team where their coaches are not going to like care about their development that much or they're not going to prioritize it so I think you know that's why Tyshawn's coming off the bench Jalen Smith's coming off the bench they're not getting a ton of minutes um 
But Tyshawn, I mean, he's still getting 25 minutes a game, and I think he's played so well and shot the ball really well. So they're kind of, like, forced to play him in a way. Um, yeah, he's, he's looked pretty solid. I mean, my only, like, knock on him this far would be, you know, he's only attempting seven shots a game, and six of them are threes. So he's only attempting, like, one, two every game. So you'd, you'd like to see that go up, but he is shooting 44% from three, so can't complain on that. You know, that's, that's going to be what he has to do if he wants to, to get a spot in the NBA, just spread the floor, play a little bit of on-ball and off-ball, which is what, exactly what he's done so far for uh, Canton. And, yeah, he's looked, you know, his on-ball defense has been the same, disruptive, you know, fighting over screens, you know, making things happen. Um couple playmaking flashes here and there but yeah the the bread and butter is definitely just the shooting he had a couple like rough games like back to back like more recently but started off really hot from three so overall I think I've been pretty impressed and he's kind of shown like exactly what his role is going to be at the next level so can't complain much I like I mean just looking at his stats like almost a three to one or two to one assist to turnover ratio is pretty good to see it's a little lower than that right now but as far as just optimism about the fact that he will be like a ball mover or a guy who can stay on the floor in the NBA especially when you think about what the Suns team is going to want from him um, that's pretty optimistic but just for people who because I think when they signed him I we hadn't like had you on the show every week yet and I didn't have much to say about him but mm-hmm. like what's a player comp or how should people think about what Tyshawn Alexander might be in the NBA um, so I, I don't have like a perfect comp or anything, but what I will say is like this dude is a tenacious defender. Like he gets over every screen. He he's the most like disruptive, just annoying player to play against. And you know at Creighton he was like matched up with some of the best scorers in the country, like night in night out, and was just shutting them down. And just you know that's that's his like calling card. I would say is just his defense, especially on the ball. And, you know, he's he's shown some, like, playmaking stuff. Like, he's not a point guard, but, you know, I actually talked to him in a pre-draft uh, workout, like, in Phoenix, like, this last summer, and he said the main part of his game he's working on is just, you know, his ball handling, and he wants to be someone that can be relied on as, like, a combo guard because he knows if he can't play on ball, there's not going to be a spot for him in the league as a tweener. So that's the main thing with him is just, you know, developing the, the on-ball skills and, you know, off the ball, this dude can he can shoot. He's good at relocating. Um, perfect like guard to put next to Booker too, like in the long run. So, you know, just a typical three and D guard with, you know, that knows exactly what his strengths are and he's trying to improve his weaknesses. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on him. Had him top forty and on my board, and I was thrilled that the Suns were able to land him. Seems like more of maybe a like if they go in the point book direction more often as his career goes on type of player then? Or like maybe a bench piece who you can put in lineups like that? Yeah, definitely. Just like a, I would say like a third or fourth guard <clears throat> off the bench that can just come in and, you know, play with, alongside like another creator. Sweet. Okay, so then let's move to Jalen Smith, who got down there a little bit later, so I'm sure has uh, had an even harder time um, – I mean, I just can't imagine trying to acclimate to that situation with all that he's gone through between uh, the COVID situation and then, you know, he w- he was playing in the preseason, then he wasn't playing, and then all of a sudden he's getting shipped down to the G League. 
for the bubble. Um, only played a few games so far, but what have you observed from him? I, I, he's playing right now, and I, when we we checked before, it wasn't looking pretty. But um, how have you felt about the tenth overall pick's performance so far? He's he's looked pretty impressive, honestly. Like the the thing that stood out the most is just like the dribbling, like grab and go and transition. You know, the playmate. He's like moving the ball a little bit more too. Like it seems like he's really bought into like. It seems like the Suns coaching staff has like been in his ear on like what he needs to do, and that's just playing like their type of big, which I've seen a lot more now than I did. I think at Maryland, which is encouraging. Um, yeah, he's he's looked good. He's he's been aggressive off the drive, you know, attacking. Um, has had a couple moves that aren't normal for someone his size. So I think there's been some encouraging flashes, and like I said earlier, just you know the coaching staff or. For the Clippers, they're not going to like care too much about his development. He's getting under twenty minutes a game, um, but you know, he, he's looked good. And the time is, and he's been aggressive. And the time he's gotten, like, one of their games, he had uh, twelve shots in eighteen minutes. So he's taking advantage of his time as he should. So I think these some summer league numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what it's like down there. I feel like yeah, it's it's um, basically the summer degree. league we never got in a way. But. Yeah, and all things considered, like the 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 minutes he is getting, the shots he is getting, the the practice reps he is getting is better than the the zero across the board he would have had, especially with the Suns playing so well right now and struggling to find minutes for guys very many years his senior. So uh, all things considered, a, a good a good opportunity. But like you talk about the putting the ball on the floor, which we saw a little bit of in the preseason uh, here and there at least him trying it. Maybe the results weren't as nice when he's going against NBA talent versus the G League talent, but I'm mostly, like, aside from even the results of all that or or how much he, I mean, you want it to work for it to to pay off, but the fact that he has even added the ability to try some of that stuff so quickly to me is pretty, is room, is, is reason for optimism. Like, that's what the Suns have always said that they targeted is players who, have the the capacity to improve to add to their game to be what the team needs them to be and not be so sort of stuck in their ways all that stuff and like I was a little skeptical that that Jalen Smith had much to add to his game but he's shown it pretty much right away yeah and like this stuff like in the half court I think he's always shown like flashes of like even at Maryland where he'd attack guys off the dribble and that was due to like them respecting a shot a lot so that part isn't like too shocking, but it's just the grabbing the ball and just leading a break that I was like, what, what is going on here? So that was fun. Um, I think Callan tweeted one of them and I, I was like, you know, this dude's looking like Dario Saric out there, just grabbing the board and, you know, he led the break and does a skip pass to the right. And, you know, that's, that's the type of stuff that, you know, Monty and James Jones want. So um, definitely encouraging to see. And I think it was the right decision to send him down there for sure. Yeah, do you think either of these guys, I don't see either one of them playing much all season for the Suns. Like, it's going to be very much an adjustment, I think, for Suns fans, for just the way we think about this team, that a lot of these young players who get brought in for the foreseeable future are going to have a lot of a harder path and probably a more individualized, like, they need to work on their games alone within the, the sort of confines of the program rather than having it 
be figured out on the court. Like that's just a very big departure from where we used to be. But I don't see either one of these guys playing much for the rest of the year here. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think it's it's a good thing too. So um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to play unless it's like garbage time or you know if we're in April and you know they're resting guys for the playoffs. Hopefully, um, but yeah, that's like anytime you can develop young guys like that where you're not like giving them too much to, to handle right away is a good thing. And, um, you know, I think long-term, these are two players that I think will end up being contributors to the Suns, but it's not going to really happen this year. And, you know, like I said, it's it's a good thing, honestly. It, it means everything else is in front of them is working out, to, like, according to plan, and they're healthy. So just got to be patient with these guys. Well, hey, we did hear, too, that uh, Zach Lowe and Adrian Orjanowski reported on ESPN as they were doing their story on the second half schedule and when we can expect that, which will be hopefully this upcoming week, um, that there may be a summer league in August after all. Um, who knows what that'll look like for fans and all of us who maybe like to go or to watch those games, but most importantly for the development of, I'm sure we'll see a lot of second-year players there this year, maybe more than we would have in the past just with how weird and fractured their rookie seasons were. So good news for guys like Smith and, and Alexander on the Sun side of things as well as whoever they bring in this this draft. So good stuff and I think uh people should try to tune in. They're having these G League games all day and they're fairly easy to watch, I guess, uh depending on it's a lot of it's on ESPN plus, right? Yeah. And look, I mean, as someone that watches a lot of college basketball, G League is the product is so much better. It's insane. Like I recommend watching, like, I mean, if you don't have any, like, reading interest, it's pretty, you'll probably lose interest pretty quick, but definitely check out uh, a game with Smith or Tyshawn, just and give it a shot. It's the best, it's a way better product than, than college basketball, which is insane a lot, but. <laughs> yeah, we have Alexander's with Canton, just for everybody, again, to repeat that, and then uh, Smith is with the Clippers affiliate, the Agua Caliente Clippers, so. Yeah, check one of the games out before things wrap up down there. Get a taste of these guys because I do not feel like we'll see them much on an NBA court this year. But uh, thanks for another great Monday show, Brandon. Um, anything you writ- written recently or have on the back burner you want people to read? So I actually think, you know, fitting that we talked about these two guys, I'll probably have something on Brightside, um, like after a couple more of these, like Smith games and Tyshawn to just kind of go more in depth and break it down. So just be on the lookout for that. But other than that, uh, just continuing to do some draft stuff over at zonahoops.com. And, yeah. Awesome. Well, I will be back as close to after the buzzer as I can on Monday night. It is a home game, so I will be there. Uh, A little bit of a delay, but check those feeds Monday night following the Trailblazers game. Uh, Should be a really fun one. I mean, Book tends to get up for for the Blazers, usually because McCollum's out there, but um still getting getting to see dame time up close we'll hope it doesn't uh hurt the suns too bad but should be a fun one check those feeds right after the game and until then have a great monday sweet